Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is how to find a fulfillment partner with my friend Joe Spizak. This is a great podcast. If you're looking for a fulfillment and warehousing company, listen up. Also, if you are in the transportation or in the warehousing business, listen up because Joe Spizak is a really bright guy. He founded the company Fulfilled.com and he started off as an e-commerce shipper who struggled to find the right 3PL. He hired one, fired one, found another one, and he went through that process a few times. Finally, he founded his own warehouse to do his fulfillment, and he did that for a while, and then he closed or sold that business off to some partners, and now he's full-time in the business of helping shippers find the right 3PL, and that is not easy. When I say 3PL, I don't mean over-the-road transportation so much. I mean warehousing partner. And uh, if you haven't done it before, it's daunting. And a lot of companies make mistakes uh, when they pick the wrong 3PL. They pick someone who doesn't doesn't specialize in what they do, and they fail. So listen up. Joe is a very interesting guest. He's very knowledgeable, and he shares all that he has learned about how to select a 3PL. And again, we're talking fulfillment partner. So listen up. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you, Small parcel shippers, listen up. I want to help you save 40% on your small parcel shipping. So if you're an e-commerce guy or you're a warehousing guy and you do a lot of e-commerce shipments, listen up. I know we're all used to using the big guys. You have UPS, you have FedEx. You might be able to also use uh, the Postal Service. And we really haven't had a choice until now. Well, we all know there's these good regional carriers out there, but very few people take advantage because they don't have that national reach. Well, they do now because my friends over at Tusk Logistics, that's T-U-S-K Logistics, put together technology that connects all these great regional carriers. And regional carriers, by the way, have better pricing. They have better service in the regions they serve. And there's no reason not to use them now because now you can have national national reach with the regionals. And again, the guys over at Tusk Logistics, they have got great technology and they've also got negotiated rates, pre-negotiated rates with these small parcel carriers. So you get better service, big savings, and you get the Tusk technology that connects it all and you get Tusk's great customer service. You're going to get better customer service with Ben Emmerich and his team and uh, than you'll ever get at the big guys. So check them out. Tusk Logistics, that's T-U-S-K, logistics.com. And right at the top, it says, get started. Hit that button and save yourself 40%. So how's it going, Joe? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. Been following you guys for a long time and I am pumped to be here. Well, thank you so much. You were referred on my podcast by now. I forgot who. Who referred you? It was Philip Arkzar yes. who runs Arca. Yeah, great packaging company in the logistics space. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, Philip spoke very highly of you on my podcast. And I'm going to ask you at the end of the podcast to recommend somebody. I like to interview interesting, smart people like yourself. So anyway, Joe, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, sure thing. So my name is Joe Spizak. I am the CEO of Fulfill.com, and I am calling in from Austin, Texas, where I live with my wife. Damn, do we all have to move to Austin? I feel that, I feel like that's all I'm hearing lately. It's a requirement <laughs> now, man. You got to get down here. It's, it's, it's great weather. It's great weather, cool city. Yep. My buddy Ryan Schreiber moved there. from. Uh, he's from Metaphora, and uh, I saw him at Manifest, and he spoke very highly of it. Anyway, tell us, what does Fulfill.com do? Sure. So Fulfill.com is a marketplace that helps brands find the right fulfillment partners. So hundreds of e-commerce brands and really just companies in general come to us every month. We talk to them. We offer them a free service to help them find warehousing and fulfillment. We get all of their information and we take that information and ping that against our warehouse network of hundreds of warehouses all across the globe. 
and we narrow that down to a handful of the best options for them. And we give those introductions directly to those 3PLs, the brands to the 3PLs. And yeah, we help them save lots of time and lots of money and lots of not banging their head against the wall, looking for their own 3PL uh, by coming through us. Very nice. Very nice. So Joe, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Fulfill.com. Yeah, sure thing. So I grew up in central Pennsylvania in the Harrisburg area, if you're familiar. What's that near? Is that closer to Philadelphia or closer to Pittsburgh? Two hours from Philly, three hours from Pittsburgh. Which teams do you cheer for? Not the biggest sports guy, although I was an athlete in college. After I graduated and kind of stopped with that portion of my life, I I've been really laser focused on work. Wait, as a kid, which team did you cheer for? The Pittsburgh teams, the Phillies? The Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers, I'd say. (laughs) Well, you could have cheered for Philadelphia this last year. Yeah, exactly. Bandwagon it up. (laughs) So you grew up in Harrisburg and you said you were an athlete. What, what What sports were you into? Yeah, so I wrestled at the University of Virginia, wrestled ever since I was a little guy, four or five years old. My dad was a D1 wrestler too. My grandpa was a D1 wrestler. Wow. So that's kind of always what I was meant to do. <laughs> I remember, Pete, my, I, I remember I got pressured a lot to do wrestling in high school and I, cause I did well in gym class at it, but I was like, I hate this, man. I hate this. And then I was just interviewed somebody, Brad Hollister, and he was a wrestler in high school too, or in college too. I think he was at Wisconsin. And he said, everybody hates it. (laughs) I was like, like, but it does teach you discipline. I will say that because you've got to keep your diet right. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I cut down to 133 was my weight class. And I, you know, weigh every bit of 175 right now and I'm healthy as a clam. So it's uh, it's just really, really tough to, you know, do academics at a high level and, and be systematically cutting that much weight year round as well. So it takes a toll on your body for sure. Everybody at college is like out partying and eating pizza at three in the morning and you're like, no, no, I'm just, I'll eat in the morning. Thanks guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's impossible to do that whenever you're wrestling and cutting a lot of weight in college. But, you know, a lot of the lessons that I learned there translate great to being an entrepreneur, you know, that grind, that humility, that kind of competing against yourself, the camaraderie of working with people and building teams and, 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 you know, fighting towards a common goal. So there's a lot of great takeaways that I had from that experience too. Yeah. I went to, I didn't play sports at that level, but I grew up in Dearborn, Michigan and I joke about it. It was like the law that we play sports. We played everything. (laughs) I always remember like when I was a kid, my dad's like, Hey, you're going to be on the football team. I was like 10. And I remember saying, uh, you know, I don't even know if I want to play football. And my dad goes, "Oh, I didn't ask." Right. <laughs> and then I and then I was playing football, then hockey, then baseball, swimming, diving, water polo, you name lacrosse. We played everything, and I just feel like it's a great way to grow up because I didn't always care about my academics, but I always cared about. I would never want to let my team down. But I didn't care about school. When somebody says, you're only letting yourself down, you're like, oh, I can handle that. But you don't want to let your teammates down. So anyway, you went to University of Virginia, great school. Thanks. And oh, I remember I have a buddy who went there and he said he went to Dartmouth for his undergrad. And he goes, which he goes, lots of rich kids there. He goes, but not like University of Virginia. He goes, that is crazy money there. That's all our hard tax dollars hard at work. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money there. I didn't come from money, but uh, I was lucky enough to get a scholarship with my wrestling. So that was kind of the way I outkicked my coverage and got to go to UVA. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's a very uh, wealthy school for sure. Yep. So what did you do after college? What did you study at college? And then what was your first job out of school? Sure. So I got my uh, master's degree in 2015 in higher education. Originally, I was thinking about going and being a professor or maybe a principal and coaching wrestling. And then I got out of college and I got a, a good job, worked my way up to being a network engineer, systems engineer at a large Fortune 50 company. And while I was there, I started to work on some side projects that I was interested in. And I ended up getting into e-commerce during that time, during the side project phase. And my wife and I started a couple different tabletop board game companies together. And we ended up starting to do really well with those board game companies started to sell a couple thousand orders a month. So we ended up leaving and doing that full time. And the the success with those games, we we ended up 
going through three different 3PLs over the course of a year and a half. And when you say 3PLs, you mean warehousing 3PLs? Yeah, 3PLs meaning e-commerce fulfillment, third-party logistics companies. So we, we just really were kind of upset with our experience with those different companies, and we ended up bringing our order fulfillment in-house. And so I ended up starting a company called Ship Daddy, which is an e-commerce fulfillment company based out of central Pennsylvania. And it's kind of classic, you know, bootstrapping from my mom and dad's garage story and learned a ton over the course of two and a half, three years. This was like, we started this business right before COVID. So it was a very interesting time to, to start a business and ended up scaling from literally mom and dad's garage through four different buildings until I ended up purchasing a 140,000 square foot warehouse that I ended up filling up over the course of a couple of years. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. So you're not at Ship Daddy anymore. What, what became of Ship Daddy? Yeah. So Ship Daddy is still a thriving business run by a couple of my best buddies since fifth or sixth grade. Once I ended up getting the company up and going, I ended up hiring them to come on as part owners of the company and got to the point where I was ready to make an exit and start my next venture with what's now fulfill.com and ended up selling it back to my buddies and they're running it and still doing really well, have a full warehouse there and are kind of just cashing checks. Yep. So why did you start fulfill.com? What hole did you see in the market? Yeah, great question. You can see my experience and where I've come from, right? I have a, a pretty robust e-commerce background, and then I have a great logistics background, bootstrapping multiple companies in, in both areas. And so one of the things I just kept coming back to was some statistics that Shopify has released. There's a 38% year-over-year turnover rate in brands picking a new 3PL, which to me is astronomically high. In the 2023 uh, supply chain report this year, they stated that 65% of brands have an extremely difficult time trying to fight, find the right 3PL. And so if you put yourself in one of these brand shoes and you are going to look for a fulfillment center, you what's the most notable path, right? You get onto Google, you type great apparel 3P, 3PL or fulfillment center near me in Austin, Texas. And what do you see? You see the same 25 Fortune 5,000 3PL companies that are spending millions and millions of dollars a month to kind of blanket the internet with advertising. And in reality, the operations that these 3PLs offer isn't necessarily the best decision to go with them from a pricing perspective or a quality control perspective. So I, what I realized was I wanted to help make a more efficient experience for brands to be able to find 3PLs. There's no way these numbers should be this high. And there's no way there should only be 25 people, 3PLs in the market that uh, people think are their options. When in reality, there's 22,000 3PLs in the United States growing at a 5% clip year over year. So there's lots of great options out there, but 3PLs, you know, are operators. That's what they do. They're blue collar operators. That's their bread and butter. But what they're not as great as from what I've seen is you know, their marketing, their web design, right. things of that nature. So we want to help both parties and create a more fair and equal marketplace where we can match make parties that are able to have long-term relationships together. Yeah. And by the way, before we hit record, we were talking about a lot of different things, but I was telling you that I had helped some large shippers select 3PLs and I've probably done a ton of training classes and webinars over time on how to select a 3PL. And that was more or less not warehousing 3PLs. That was just, um, you know, if you were a, a big shipper and you wanted to select, select a 3PL. And by the way, do you have to go through a whole process to get a spot spot freight? Probably not. But what occurs to me is when I'm looking at the kind of relationship required, if you're going to do my fulfillment, that means our technology is going to be integrated. However, that should happen. And it means all of my inventory is in your building. And my customer experience, my customer's experience is going to be determined to a large extent by the things you do at your house. <laughs> and that is a huge commitment. And I've said it before on my podcast, you don't date, you don't get engaged, you get married to this supplier. So those numbers you said about the turnover is shocking. And that tells you, 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 you did it yourself three times, selected a new 3PL three times, and then started your own. So you know that this is not easy to break up with your 3PL. It's not easy to pick the next one. And you think, I, I'm just 
I know it's forever in your soul, but I'm imagining after you got rid of your first 3PL, you said, never again. This time I'm going to pick one that does this, 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 and this. And then when you fired that one, you said, never again. The next one's going to do this, 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 and this. And then you fired them and started doing it on your own. So you have experienced the worst of it. Yeah, you can imagine how far that that put put our e-commerce brands back because not only is it tens of thousands of dollars to take your inventory and move it somewhere else, it's the opportunity cost of losing sales during and that And the focus. Time. It's not like you've got a huge oh, yeah. staff. Most of these small e-commerce companies are saying, I just want to, I want to focus on my next product, on my next marketing campaign, driving more traffic. The last thing I want to do is go to my 3PL and ask them why things aren't going right. Exactly. And then, you know, the hit it takes just on the morale with your customers and, you know, your reputation with them. It's, it's a debacle to say the least. So it's like of utmost importance that you find someone the first time around that you can scale with that, you know, is going to do right by you from a pricing perspective, a quality of service perspective. Yeah, it's 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 so much more important than what people realize. Oh god, it again it's it's you're not dating. You aren't engaged. You're getting married. Yeah, and that means it's marriage. you need to vet. And I think everybody thinks they're vetting or and here's this here's a little bit of the challenge. I talk to you on the phone or I meet you in person and we seem to vibe everything's going and you say the right things. Oh, don't don't worry about a thing, Joe. And I say I really like you, Joe. And if I know, like, and trust you, and I get a sense that uh, you're going to give it your all, that is a weakness of humans. We make bad decisions when we like the people we're talking to. Right. And who are the people you're talking to? Typically at these bigger 3PLs, you're talking to the account executives on their sales team who are going to tell you whatever you want to hear so they can win your business. Right. right? And the I, incentives aren't aligned. Yeah. And you get in and the operations are completely different. You never talk to that person right. again. And I think so often, and I can say this, you've been a small business owner, so so am I. You always have this sense that if I sell it, I'll have more money and I'll have more resources to figure it out, right? So I'll sell, I'll tell Joe that I can do this and I'm pretty sure I'm going to. I don't think people are out deliberately lying. Of course, some are, but I think most people are good people and- have good intentions, but that good intentions doesn't mean your technology works or that you're a good operator. It just means you had good intentions to have good technology. And that's another thing. We are seeing so much investment in technology. So you pick a 3PL. If I was to select a 3PL, I'll say just say 10 years ago, said, yeah, I picked them because we're doing e-commerce and I like these guys. They might not be the best e-commerce partner anymore because the technology has jumped a generation since then. It's grown so fast over the course of the last decade. And that's what has really led to this rise of the boutique fulfillment center is what I'm calling it. Because the big barrier of entry to these smaller 3PLs, warehouse providers was the technology. And it's so hard to create your own proprietary tech, a great warehouse management system. And with companies that have come out like, your 3PL centrals and your ship heroes oh, and Soft your Dan's got, Soft Dan's got great software. Yeah, if you go to Gart, Gartner, they're high on the list. And the, by the way, they're, they're usually for you know the people who've got complicated supply chains. But that's yeah. another thing that I just had a conversation with Gary Allen from Ryder. And Ryder has hundreds, 100 plus warehouses around the country. And they do a lot of e-commerce. And I think we're seeing warehouses start to specialize. So there are warehouses that say, we do e-commerce. Others say, we do omni-channel. Others might say, hey, we've always done long-term, longer-term storage and auto parts. All very different businesses. Some might be specializing in cold chain or retail. There's a million different things that those companies are starting to specialize in. And as we buy automation and technology we invest in a, a niche or a niche, whatever you want to call it. And that makes those guys less able to accommodate maybe a company that doesn't ship what they do. So if you walk through a warehouse these days, they're very different. One warehouse might be 100% different than the next based on what they specialize in. And that makes it even more important that we have a company like yours. So you started Fulfilled 
fulfilled.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. People can reach out and see you guys. What are people doing? How do they, how does this work? Describe, describe the experience for somebody coming to fulfill.com. Actually, I'm going to look at it while you say it. Yeah. So it's uh, really simple. So brands come to our website, they submit their information to us. That information gets passed directly to our matchmaking team. Our matchmaking team gets on a call with the brands to get any additional details that they need. They take that information, put it into our software on the back end, and that pings that information against our, our ever-growing warehouse network. We have hundreds and hundreds of locations right now, and it creates a short list of some of the best options on our network. From there, our team hand-selects these three PLs, has conversations with them, gets pricing, and then connects the brand to you know one to three of the best options on our network. And with a you know really high success rate, those one to three options you know are typically what the brand ends up going with. And we've seen, you know, really happy customers kind of all, all around uh, after successfully pr- placing hundreds of brands. So does it cost money for me as a shipper to use your service? Yeah, that's another one of the great parts. So this is a free service to the brands and how we make our money is on the 3PL side of the house. So 3PL to be on our network, you know, they pay us fees to be able to be on our network and be eligible to receive leads. And, you know, that cost goes into us generating more leads and also the maintenance it costs to be able to keep constant due diligence and information up on these 3PLs to make sure that their quality is to the level that we want it to be in order to bring leads their way. Yeah. So how many warehouses, uh, warehousing companies are on your system? Yeah. And you can check it out on our website under our 3PL directory section in a couple hundred locations right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm see warehouse directory that I see for fulfillment center. So yeah, this is, this is very comprehensive. So, so it costs me as a shipper, nothing. And the 3PL is basically paying and they're pay, but they're happy to pay because you're bringing them customers that they might not otherwise have ever met. Yeah, exactly. And the cost of acquisition for warehouses right now to find the right customers, their ideal customer profile has been going up year over year over year. So we ran a ton of Google ads while I was at ChipDaddy and it was like $39 cost per lead while we were at scale. And now easily over $250 to get a lead. And, you know, with that, there's a lot of spam that's been coming through Google ads. Like we've run over $10 million in logistics specific ads, and it's just been getting higher and higher and higher. So how much you spent on ads over $10 million over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what we do. We're marketing and sales for logistics companies. That's where we really got. So you're a nice sales channel. So if so, so if there's a warehousing company listening right now, I got a great sales guy for you. His name's Joe, and he's in Austin, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> He'll be your best sales guy. Yes. Well, and it's it's great for all parties, and that's why this works. The brands are happy, the three PL is happy, and and we're happy. And these are much longer term relationships that actually work out because we're vetting the crap out of the three PLs and giving them brands that they that will have a really high level, a high, a high percentage chance to succeed at their warehouses. So when I, let's just say I go and I'm looking at one of these companies that, that you give me, I have in my mind some criteria. What criteria will you give me about these warehousing companies? Yeah, well, that's part of the consultative call that we'll have with the brand. We'll ask what's important to you guys, right? Like is pricing the end all be all? Obviously, we want someone that's going to have under 24-hour delivery time for whenever an order comes in. We want you guys to have someone with real-time communication channel, so a dedicated Slack channel between you and the people actually on the floor picking and packing your product. And you know, people think that you can't have it all whenever you're looking for a 3PL partner. And I like to challenge that notion a, a lot because you know people are always like, "Oh, you can only have two of the three. And I think that is a complete fallacy. It's just been really hard to find that up to this point. But there are people with best-in-class pricing, best-in-class service. It's just that they're they're much harder to find because they're true boutique-level 3PLs that are hungry for new customers. They'll go above and beyond to make sure they deliver you a great quality experience and will give you best-in-class pricing as well. And I know this because that's what we were doing at ChipDaddy. We had ridiculously low pick-and-pack rates, and we were working some crazy hours. And we would literally do whatever it took to make sure that our customers were happy. So, uh, yeah, it, it's out there. So before we hit record, I was talking to you about this, but I'll, I'll mention it here too. Is in the past, I've I've consulted very large companies on how to select three PLs, and 
by the way, I started down the path of how to select 3PLs while I was at a 3PL. So I used to do these webinars all the time on how to select a 3PL. And I kind of put a little sales pitch in at the end, obviously. That's, that was the purpose. I wanted to gain favorable attention with shippers. And it worked. <laughs> but I also, I really did try and play it straight because I do believe that these, I come from an automotive background. In an automotive, there's not a lot of transactional relationships. There's strategic relationships. And this what we're talking about, as we just said earlier, this is a strategic relationship. So it, it you have to start with your team before you t- even go over to fulfill.com maybe, or maybe you guys will walk me through this. You have to figure out what I actually need. And if you don't figure out what you need, then you're not going to be able to make the right decision. And, I, and so I had written down, I shared it with you, and I think you had a similar list, but I'll read from mine because it's on my computer, but just some things high level. And I want to get your two cents on each one of these. I had created my list with how to select an over-the-road 3PL, but the first thing was understand the 3PL's business model. And if I'm picking one for someone over the road, it's do they have assets? Are they non-asset? Are they mixed, right? But for your for warehousing, I want to understand how they make money, right? So I, I want to understand what their incentives are, what their disincentives are, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the great part about working with us at Fulfill is that we do that for you. So we have the data on hundreds and hundreds of warehouses, and that's what our software is able to do, is able to compare these in real time to find you the best options based off of the criteria that you deem important. So so instead of trying to talk to 25 different 3PLs and line up their pricing and compare their pricing and their services apples to apples, which is impossible to do. Every 3PL is different and you can't vet the quality of their operations and you need a logistics background to even try and take a stab at that. Uh, You come to us and we do it for you. And that's why we started the company because nothing out there existed like this from a data-driven software-backed perspective. And, um, you know, our unique expertise in the e-commerce side of the house and the logistics side of the house put us in a really interesting position to to build this out and, you know, be the people to do that. Right. You've been a shipper and you've been an operator. So another thing we talked about is financial stability. So if I'm picking a 3PL, I want to make sure they're in good shape. I don't yeah. want them going out of business with my goods in their, in their warehouse, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. And, you know, there's there's some pretty telltale signs that you know, you can see to see the warning signs if a 3PL isn't doing so hot. So that, you know, that comes out very easily with what we're doing. But right. thankfully, like the 3PLs that we're working with, we haven't seen a lot of that yet. <laughs> it's been a pretty, they had a few good years here. But another thing we talked about before we hit record is specialization. So if I'm picking a company to do my fulfillment, I would like to see that they have similar customers. I don't want to go and see their warehouse and say, oh my God, they know nothing about delivering apparel because all I see is auto parts in here. So is that part of your criteria? Yeah, specialization is a huge part of the criteria for us. And I'll give you an example. So we have a lot of apparel brands that come to us looking for fulfillment partners. And um, you know, apparel gets lumped into the e-commerce fulfillment right. category. But, but it is it's different. A whole different breed. <laughs> it's a whole different breed of fulfillment because typically – you have a really high skew count on the amount of items that you have. There's a high amount of returns and the storage requirements can be different quite often. And having an apparel specific e-commerce fulfillment center is of huge importance, but you can take that even one step further. And instead of finding an apparel specific 3PL that is just a great logistics partner, we have apparel specific 3PLs in our network that have their own apparel brands and are already selling into big box retailers and have thousands of retail connections all across the country. So we sent we sent three different apparel customers to one of the 3PLs on our network that broke into retail and he helped two out of three of them break into retail. So now not only are they a logistics partner for them, they are a high level trusted advisor and are literally helping them sell millions and millions of dollars of extra orders a year through the through the introduction to the category buyers at these retail stores they're already at. So that's the difference of, of working with someone like us, because we have, just like we have that for apparel, we have that for cold storage, right. we have that for hazmat, for big and bulky, for every vertical in e-commerce. And if you can get find a 3PL that can bring you what I call niche value-added services like that, then you're in a whole different growth trajectory for your for your brand. Yep, yep. I just interviewed uh, Courtney Folk from Renewal Logistics down in Atlanta, and 
they've grown like a weed and they have a whole bunch of value added services. So if, and they do only apparel for the most part. And so they, they have a dry cleaning background. They have a fire restoration background, the owners. And so they've been able to take on huge projects like cleaning mold off of thousands of pieces of apparel. Most companies can't do that. That's why you're looking at the specialization. You can help me on that. Another thing I'm sure yeah. you guys get into quite a bit is the technology. So if I'm a 3P, I mean, if I'm a shipper and I've come to you, I say, I've got a little bit of a problem here is I don't want, I don't want a clunky hookup here. I want you to, I want you to pick, help me pick someone with this kind of tech. Yeah. Technology is extremely important. And that's another, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head with, with these criteria and a couple examples here. So integrations to your sales channels, what sales channels are you currently selling on and what are you going to be selling on in the future? You may have a great 3PL that connect that can connect to Shopify and Amazon and Walmart.com and Etsy and eBay. And that's all part of their package. But what happens whenever you want to sell into retail and you start actually shipping into one of Walmart's distribution centers or Home Depot or whatever? You need that 3PL to have a great EDI connection so you can ship retail. Same thing with B2B. So, you know, not all 3PLs are created equal from a technological perspective. Then, uh, you know, another example with the tech is what happens when you expand to multi-site right, uh, the 3PL locations, whether you have a couple different sites in the United States or you even expand internationally, that technology needs to be able to talk to each other so you can have a real-time omni-channel inventory sync, right? Because if you don't, you're going to be have to have like a middleware of Google Sheets or something, and you're going to have to have another employee in there when if you would have just prepped for that up front, you, would, you wouldn't have to have all that headache and extra spend and inefficiency. So just two examples for you right there, but tech is huge. And, and it's interesting. A lot of companies have developed their own technology, their own WMS, order management, whatever, whatever they're using. And that's fine. But you want to make sure that that's compatible. And also, again, I'm, uh, I think we all have to try these things out. Again, I think we are all have a weakness as humans that we want, we, we tr- tend to want to work with someone. So I meet you and I go, yeah, I want to wait. I like Joe. I want to make this work. And then the data you shared earlier about the shockingly poor job shippers make selecting 3PLs. And by the way, it goes the other way around too. If you're not a good fit at a warehouse company, it's a disaster when you bring in somebody who you think you can serve, but you can't for whatever reason, that weighs you down. And, you know, I think probably just as many warehousing companies are firing shippers as it goes the other way around, right? Yeah, that's that's a big part of it for sure, which is why this matchmaking process and having information on both parties is why this works so well, right? We know, we know who the warehouses are looking for and we know who the brands need to be with. Right. So this is match.com for warehousing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I won't say Tinder because that might upset somebody, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're like, we're like the tin, the Tinder of fulfillment right there. There you go. So also we all know about the tech, but we also want to see that we have the operational excellence and, and I'm going to gloss over this, then we can talk a little more about it, but that might mean I want to see lean processes. I want to see that they have a process orientation. They're using their technology the right way. If carriers matter, like if they need, if I need some carriers in the mix, maybe it's trucking, maybe it's small parcel, LTL. I want to know their carrier network, service area footprint. I need to know what is their service area? What will you be? If, if I find out that a lot of my customers are on the other side of the country, I need to know that, right? When I'm picking a 3PL, I might need them to have more than one location. I might need them to have a location so I can do same day next day across the country, right? Yep, absolutely. And then risk, ma- I'll, I'll hit a few more and then I'll get your two cents. Risk management. I'm an ops guy at heart. I like ops guys who are always looking for the next risk, quality risk, time risk, money risk, looking for risk. I want my, I want people who manage my operations to kill it. KPIs, what reports do I want? Can they give me that report without having to bend over backwards? Canada, Mexico, do I need to ship there? That's good to know, right? <laughs> Every mode. If I have to ship worldwide, you might want to bring that up before you get to your uh, your, your next customer. And then 
what sort of service level do you need? Is you know the um, the twenty four seven support? Where are your customers, and where are they delivering to in one day, and where are they delivering to in two days? Right. So I just mentioned a million things, but that's all under the under the category of operational excellence. How do you check that? Yeah, that's uh, all stuff that factors directly into the equation here, and that's why whenever we get profiles on the three PLs on our network, we collect all of this information. So, you know, we can expedite the process while we're, this is the stuff that we're doing for brands behind the scenes. Uh, so they don't have to go through this, this entire checklist themselves, but yeah, these are all, all great points. Yeah. And I think also this is a tough one to quantify with just with any system, but I want to know the people are right. I want to know that the senior management team has been in place for a while, that the ownership structures, those guys, the partners yeah. are getting along or the owners are getting along. I also want to know, is this a solid organization? And I might also say, am I getting a dedicated account manager? Can you tell me that? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, other things that add to that point, do it, does it look like they're going to get acquired soon? Because how many times have we seen someone oh, go into yeah. a 3PL, have a great experience, they got they get bought out by one of the big dogs and they are literally working with a completely different company. So all of these things is what we factor in. Yeah, and I think a culture, I want to go to work with somebody who their culture meshes well with mine. And then a lot of that is, you know, are we going to get win-win relationships here? Are they going to be proactive? Are they going to communicate in a way that I like? Uh, are they going to hold me at arm's length? Are they going to act, act as if I'm bothering every time I call? <laughs> so you can help me quantify all those things because you might say, hey, Joe, you, you are actually very needy. I'm going to find somebody who can tolerate a needy shipper. <laughs> and and yeah. some companies are going to be say, hey, the way we keep our costs down is we don't have a lot of day-to-day uh, interaction. You're going to get a report from us. You're going to get KPIs from us. And hopefully we don't have to do more than that. Others will say, others say, we're going to get a dedicated account manager and they're going to be half therapists. You can talk to them every day, all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why it's just really important for the 3PLs to set expectations up front and really strictly define the scope of work. Because once you start getting that scope creep, then that's whenever you know parties yes. can start to feel some type of way. This is the challenge we all have is when we're selecting a 3PL, whether it's over the road or international or selecting just a warehousing partner, fulfillment partner, is we don't do it all the time. And so you just might not have anybody in your company who has a successful experience in it. Joe, by the way, you went through three warehousing companies and then started your own. So you could say, yeah, I was in that, I was in that uh, group of people who didn't know how to select a 3PL. But by oh, absolutely, by, <laughs> you got the, so when somebody says, how did you learn this? I learned it the hard way over there. You guys learned yeah. it the hard way. We learned it by me, me six, seven years ago is our target customer pretty much because we would have saved hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And back to your point about not having someone on your team that maybe has a logistics background or something like that, even if they do have a logistics yeah, background, in order to do this properly, you need data on all of the 3PLs in the United States, or otherwise you're still limited to maybe the 10, 15, 25 uh, 3PLs that you're going through some type of RFP process with and then manually comparing those. You know, you still just have such a disadvantage because your data set is just so much smaller and you're getting that directly from the account executive or the sales team at that organization instead of coming straight from the source. We're getting more. And by the way, this is why Gartner exists. This is why Forrester exists. Gartner exists because if you're a big company that bought a warehouse management system or a transportation management system 30 years ago, and you say, it's time to upgrade. Well, who picked the last one? Dude, those guys all are gone. We we didn't. Yeah. And yeah. and and even if they were here, they wouldn't be that useful because they don't know the new, newest technologies. We have Gartner, we have Forrester, and many other analyst services because we haven't done it. And if you've done it right, right and you've done a really good job of selecting warehousing in the past, probably don't have anybody on board who went through that experience. Exactly. And before you go and make a multi, multi multi-million dollar company-wide decision, it's always good to have 
a second set of eyes to, you know, check your logic and make sure that you guys are making a, a, a good decision and help steer you in the right direction. At the very least, that's what we can be used for. While you're doing your own due diligence, come and use our free service as well. And if you want to go and pick your own options, great. But if you want to use one of ours where there's a high likelihood uh, we think that you will, it's it's kind of, it's no risk, right? Yep. And from the warehousing guy's perspective, you're a good sales channel. That's you'll hook them up. And again, I, I really do think that rather than talk about it being sales, we should talk about it being, is it a fit? Is it a match? That's what it is. It's connecting puzzle pieces. And like you said before, it's just as detrimental to the warehouses when they don't bring in the right customers, because what ends up happening is what happened to us at chip daddy, a learning lesson. You know, we brought on any customer, no matter how big or how small, no matter how many SKUs, no matter what the scope of work was, because we wanted to see that you're hungry coming in. You're hungry. But then what ended up <laughs> happening months, year, years down the road, we had to end up firing a lot of those customers because we were spending 90 percent of our, our efforts on the lo- bottom 10 percent of our customers. And it just got to the point where it was like we were pulling our hair out, do, trying to do a great job with everybody. But it's like, you know what, you would actually have a better experience at another 3PL. So we're going to help push you in a different direction. So by the way, by the way, we all um, know about fulfillment by Amazon. So Amazon FBA, obviously a juggernaut, but Amazon realized a while back that we are not a good fit for everybody for Amazon FBA. And so they started saying, hey, look, you're not going to store anything here. That is a that is a no no. We are not a storage company. We are a fulfillment company. And if you are storing here, we're going to increase your rates month over month until you don't want to store right. here. And anymore. so they started getting there was financial disincentives. And after a while, they started saying, "We can't work with you." We and the reason we can't work with you is you don't fit our sweet spot. And we all have to get to that. And again, unfortunately, what happens is. We talk, whether you're selling over the road or selling freight forwarding or selling warehousing, we get in or tech, we get in a place where we're so hungry for new customers that we keep saying, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. And that's a problem because- The incentive structures of your sales team and your operation teams are drastically different. Operations is to keep the show going, to do a great job. Sales team is to try and close as many deals as you can to try and make as much commission as you can. So when those two incentive programs don't line up, that's when you're going to inevitably start to have a disconnect and and frustration when you're growing your organization. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing and very, very much needed. And again, I think we've all seen... Well, by the way, there was an article, and I forgot where what it was in, but it might have been Wall Street Journal. It was one of the national magazines the other day talking about 3PLs holding warehousing, holding us hostage. E-commerce brands were saying this, and they were yeah, blaming. I did see that article. I don't mention names. I won't. And they were talking to the the warehouse owners, and they were also talking to some of the shippers, and there were problems. And you know, I'm, I'm, I won't blame either side, but. We had explosive growth in e-commerce. Does that mean we had explosive growth in operational expertise? No, not necessarily. We had an explosive growth, VC-backed, of a lot of warehousing companies. That's where the the growth was. There's a a giant injection of VC funds across a lot of those. And there's learning curves. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a brand new space in a lot of ways. So. It's, yeah, so, so there's, there's a lot of rooms for air, for for error there for sure. And I do think most people get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to go work and do the very best I can to serve my cu- customers and serve my company." And so when there's things don't go right, you can't just say, "Oh, it's all the three PLs or it's all the shippers." Uh, we we all have a little bit of blame in this, except for the podcasters. We did nothing wrong. <laughs> so anyway, I love what you're doing. So. Who is the sweet spot? Who are the customers who are best served by you? On the first, talk about the warehousing, and then talk about the shippers. Yeah, so best customers for us on the brand side of the house, the people looking for three PLs is easy. It's anybody who's having trouble finding a warehousing and fulfillment center, or anybody that wants to explore the option of finding a new one. Highly encourage people to do that, even on a yearly basis, because with how much of your margin logistics takes up 
in in uh, in e-commerce fulfillment environment. Oh, and mental energy. <laughs> and, and and mental energy, like you would be doing yourself a giant disservice not being with the best possible three PL you could be in. So that side of the house, it's anybody and everybody, and no matter how small, free. no matter how big. And and it's a free service, right? And then on oh, the three PL side by, of the By the way, I'll throw this out there. A lot of people call me, especially the small guys, saying, I can't find a three PL that will work with me. And I said, well, there, when you're a very small e-commerce company, there's a lot of companies that say no, especially during the pandemic. They were a non-starter if you didn't have a minimum. And so I don't know that how many of those you serve, but you're better off talking to somebody at fulfill.com than, than getting me to find somebody for you. Because even the smaller companies, a lot of times I'll say, I'll connect them with a smaller warehouse. The smaller warehouses are always trying to upgrade. Trying to get rid of the, some of the small guys. Yeah, we have placed tons of the little guys. And I have a special spot in my heart for those little guys because I was that little guy that got railroaded out of three different 3PLs, right? So, you know, we those are the guys that we want to help, you know, most of all is, is give them a seat at the table because, you know, small business like that, that's that's what makes up our country. That That's awesome. You know, like they're just the great people to work with. So anyways, yeah, we place those customers all the time. We have great 3PLs that have no minimums that will still give you great pricing. They'll even have, you know, special startup discounts that they give to people in that situation can offer them extra services, whether they need, you know, an in-house marketing team or whether they need help with product sourcing. That's stuff that we can uncover during this consultative call process and help them, you know, find a 3PL that can bring them value outside of just being a logistics company that will take them. Well, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm sending you an email right after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, send, send us an intro. Like, there's, a, there's a gal who she says, I've got a new company and I, I have to find some company very specific, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. I gave her some advice, but not not the advice you can give her. Yeah. We're, we're like the referral catch-all for, you know, uh, people like you that are in the industry for 3PLs that generate leads but can't use them and don't want to develop all these referral relationships with 3PLs all across the, the, the globe. That's what we can be great for because we will, you know, give you a 10% lifetime kickback for any lead you send us our way that we place You're and right. everybody can win from that. Yeah. We just talked about the shipper side. What about the warehousing side? Who is... Who's the sweet spot for you guys and what's what's in it for them? So similar on the warehousing side of the house, there's no risk just submitting to our directory. We give you a backlink to your website. You get to be on our network. You get free publicity on our website. Um, you know, we have- It's a nice backlink. A nice backlink. We have, you know, 10,000 plus people that come to our website a month right now growing at a really steady clip. And, you know, we just have people come and do research on our 3PL directory on our website and and go directly to the 3PLs from there. So even just submitting to our network and and getting on the radar there is a great thing to do. And then, you know, any 3PL that wants qualified leads to come directly into their lap and to be able to kind of supplement their existing marketing channels, it, really being a former 3PL owner, if this existed while I was still running ShipDaddy, this would have been our primary customer acquisition source bar none. So yeah, if you're a 3PL owner, feel free to reach out to me, Joe at fulfill.com. I would love to get you spun up on our network and and, uh, see if we can get a two-way referral program going. Yep. What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll also put a link to your uh, website and any other marketing links you give me. I'll put those in the show notes. Joe, I like to interview smart, interesting folks like you. Who else should I interview on my podcast? Yeah. So I have a lot of great people I can think of right now, but a person named Summit Hoge, H-O-G-U-E, and he owns a 3PL specific industrial real estate company called Grow, G-R-O-W-E. And he is great because he, whenever people fill up their warehouse, he can help you find another great warehouse, your next one to fill up. And again, it's 3PL specific. So he's able to take a lot of these metrics that we're looking for, look for labor pools, look for you know, cost per square footage and look to how close you are to the ports. I'll let him explain all of that. He's a great option if you're a 3PL owner and you're looking for new space. Yeah. And by the way, we've seen a huge growth in the 3PL space. And people have said to me on my podcast in the last year or so, it's easier to build, find a building and to get a building than it is to get an experienced 3PL manager. And 
we we yeah, have to labor. We have to figure out a way to make that an attractive job. It's going to have to pay right. It's going to, and you're also like Joe. If you, you had a buddy and you said, "Hey, this is a great job. You walk ten miles a day and you lift heavy things." You're like, that might appeal to somebody uh, who's who's trying to lose some weight and build some muscle. But by the time you're 30 years old, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> I got to find a new job. <laughs> yeah, it's taxing for sure. There's a that's labor with three PLs is a big part of the market that people are still We're trying to solve more for. and more tech more and more automation so anyway I, I will i will reach his name as summit hogue that's an interesting name so what conferences will we see you at in the coming year good question so we are pretty short on the conference list this year and next year is where it looks like we're really going to turn up on that maybe we'll hit a few events later this year but we I just see. did another big round of hiring and we've been kind of working on some other stuff but next year we'll hit I get it. I manifest was talking. For sure. yeah. yeah, I will introduce you to the manifest people, but it, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend, and he's always posting on LinkedIn. I'm at this conference. I'm at that conference. So when I was going to manifest this year, I said, "Dude, I'll see you at there. I'll, I'll buy you a beer. Beer's free." So, <laughs> but um, when I called him, he goes, "I can't go." He goes, "I can't go." He goes, "I go." You go to all the conferences. He goes, "I'm not anymore, man." He goes, "I'm not getting my work done." He goes, "And I feel like." I'm, I go to a conference, but I'm always running back to my hotel room to do my job. And I, I've had those years too, where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, if sometimes it's just not a good time, but I will see you next year at Manifest. By the way, that's the same week that, uh, that's in Vegas. And it's the same week that, uh, the Super Bowl is in Vegas. So it's going to be all nice. over the top. Got to get your rooms early. Yes. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate you're coming on. And I really love what you're doing because I really do think we need that matchmaker. We need that knowledgeable layer to connect me, not with somebody who's, who's sold me the best, but somebody who's literally the best fit. Yes, we, we think so too. I definitely agree with you there. And Joe, thanks again for having me, brother. I've been following your journey for a long time oh, now. Thank you so, so it's a really cool experience getting to be on here with you and anything you need from me in the future. Let me know. would love to stay in touch and uh, keep this rolling. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and Connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.